Super Talk Mississippi media production. In the Mississippi Legislature, Senate Bill 2145 funds health care for illegal immigrants. Call your legislator today at 601-359-3770. Ask them to stop Senate Bill 2145. It's not too late. You can help stop this. Paid for by Building America's Future. Well, it's over. It is over. The quarterback battle in New Orleans is done. It's over. Welcome into the live stream. I'm Michael Borky. Glad that you guys are with me on this Tuesday morning after one of the most interesting preseason games in a very long time, at least that I've watched. You've got a quarterback battle in New Orleans. I mean, it's a battle replacing a legend, which we don't get very much in the NFL. Usually, like, you draft a guy or whatever, and you just move on. There's not necessarily like a two-person race to replace a legend like Drew Brees. Very unique. And then you got to see Trevor Lawrence in the Dome again, where he is now 0-3. That, uh, that battle, if you will, is over. It's done. Jameis Winston put his stamp on it last night. Uh, Sean Payton was coy after the game. He's a pretty good actor because he certainly was pretending like Jameis didn't put his stamp on that job last night with his performance. Uh, So we'll talk about that. Also, the alliance, the college football alliance with the ACC, the Big 12, or the Big 10, and the Pac-12. No Big 12. They're kind of screwed here, as it turns out. They are announcing today that they're going to have an announcement later about what they're going to do. So they're announcing today that they exist, but they don't really have anything ironed out yet. Uh, there's a lot of problems with what they're trying to do, and I'll tell you some of them coming up. I, I think this is more of a show th- than really anything else, and and it's all veiled behind the truth, and I'll tell you what the truth is. And also, there's a, a policy or a, a working idea in the SEC about forfeits, and the penalty for having to forfeit this year, I don't really like it. I don't really like it, and, and I, I'm looking forward to having more clarity because on its face, I think it's a bad policy. So we'll talk about all that this morning real quick. I want to remind you, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just search Michael Borky on YouTube. Uh, Hit that subscribe button. Hit the little bell next to the subscribe button as well so you'll get notified every time that I go live or a new video is posted. And if you like what you hear, physically like the video. That would help me a ton. Also follow on Twitter and Facebook. And wherever you get your podcasts, Mike in the morning or my name in Spotify, uh, we'll turn up results and subscribe and leave a rating and a review. All right, here we go. Last night, you know, sometimes things are obvious. Um, there's a, a principle. I, I always say it to sound like I'm smarter than I actually am. Occam's razor. It's uh, the concept basically that says the uh, simplest solution the, or the simplest explanation is usually the right one. The shortest explanation is usually that kind of thing. Where the most obvious is typically the correct. And a lot of people now, it seems, need to get on board uh, with that. But the the most obvious is likely correct. And when Drew Brees announced his retirement, well, we knew long before he was retiring that uh, he actually was, you had every data point that said Jameis Winston was going to be the next quarterback 
in New Orleans. That's number one, why they signed him in the first place. They certainly not were going they were certainly were not going to bring in a guy that's been a starter in their own division, essentially rehab him, teach him the system, get him better because Sean Payton and quarterbacks works out really well. Uh, they weren't going to bring him in, rehab him, just to send him off somewhere else. They brought Jameis Winston in to become a guy that they thought would replace Drew Brees. And with Taysom Hill already on the roster, if Taysom Hill was the heir apparent, they wouldn't have felt it necessary to sign Jameis Winston. And then in the final game of Drew Brees' career, after he turned the football over a bunch against the Bucks, he points to Jameis and says, it's your team now. And then uh, you look at the offseason. Jameis Winston's holding private workouts with current Saints wide receivers. You have Saints players calling him quarterback one. And then the obvious, uh, Jameis Winston has played quarterback in the NFL. That's what he's been doing. Interception jokes aside, he did have 5,000 yards passing in a season. He was a great college quarterback, an elite college quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner, whereas his competition wasn't very good in college, was injury prone, hell of an athlete, hasn't been playing quarterback in the NFL. This end result and what you saw last night was always going to be the conclusion of this. It's obvious. This was always going to be the conclusion. Jameis Winston was always going to be the starting quarterback in New Orleans. And last night proved it. It's that simple. Last night proved it. And he he absolutely shined last night. Caveat, it's the preseason. Second caveat, the Jags are terrible. All right? But last night was always the end result. It was always going to be Jameis Winston. He is obviously polished. And my gosh, I mean, this throw last night, I'll, I'll pull it up on the screen for you. Uh, I saw some people actually talking down to this pass because it was in traffic. Um, I I don't see it that way, especially from where he was when he threw this football and where Marquez Callaway was when he threw this football. This is just something that Taysom Hill cannot do. I don't know why there's closed captioning. That's really annoying. Uh, but that's a 50-yard throw. And, and the beauty of that pass is that, yeah, I mean, a lot of guys can throw it 50 yards. Taysom Hill can throw it 50 yards. Um, but how fast it got there and the location that the ball was placed in. And then on top of that, the second touchdown pass to Marquez Callaway, it just something that Taysom Hill cannot do. You knew right away with those two passes that, that it was over. And then after Jameis shines and performs the way he did and throws the ball the way he did, um, then they do go to Taysom. And he wasn't protected great, I'll give him that, but pocket presence just doesn't exist with him. It's just not there. Uh, there, there was a handful of times last night he got an intentional grounding call from the pocket because he panicked. He panicked so much he just threw the football and nobody was there. Uh, he took hits and, and would-be sacks a couple of times because he held onto the football too long, uh, is unable to throw into windows or see the field the same way a polished NFL quarterback can. He, Since he's been playing flex tight end for the last few years, 
doesn't have the developed pocket presence the same way Jameis does. It, it, it was clear as day. It was clear as day last night, and it's always been, that this is Jameis Winston's team. This is Jameis Winston's team. This is how it was always going to be. The problem for me now moving forward is that it looks like Taysom Hill has slimmed down some. And, it, you know, maybe there's something that we're not seeing because Sean Payton, again, was really coy last night about it. And he wasn't going to announce a starter after the game anyway. I certainly don't expect him to do that. But he's a really good actor. <laughs> he's a really good actor, if nothing else. Um, my concern is, though, what do you do with Taysom? Because there was that quote floating around again last night about, I'm a, I'm a quarterback in the NFL, and if it's not in New Orleans, it's going to be somewhere else. You know, does he still believe that? Does he still think he's a quarterback? And if so, will he slip back into his previous role? He lost some weight. He slimmed down. He won't be as physical, or at least potentially won't be as physical. What will he be willing to do? Because he spent all summer working on playing quarterback. And obviously one summer is not enough to counteract the lifetime of it. And many years in the NFL. What do you do now? Will he be willing to slip back into that flex tight end role? Or does he swear that he's a quarterback? Is he going to be holding a clipboard on the sidelines when he can help you win in other ways? Because this guy is a hell of a football player. He does a lot of things really well. And he's extremely unique. I, I hear so often people say, oh, well, Tim Tebow can just be the Taysom Hill. No, he's not athletic enough. Oh, well, Tommy Stevens, yeah, he can be Taysom Hill. No, not athletic enough. Oh, John Rice Plumley can play the Taysom Hill role. Not big enough. Taysom Hill is a unique, very unique athlete. Uh, go look at his combine measurables. The, the guy's a freak. He's a hell of a football player and can be really valuable for this team moving forward for the end of time. But will he? Does he fancy himself a quarterback? And if the answer is yes, then somebody's got to sit him down and tell him he's not. But if if he's not convinced, if he thinks that he is an NFL quarterback and somewhere is going to give him a chance to start and he's going to win a lot of games, then does he force himself out? It's a, it's a an interesting dynamic going into this season because I think that the team needs him to play his role. He's an impact player, just not a quarterback. But will he will he be willing to be an impact player and sacrifice his chance to play quarterback possibly somewhere else? Spoiler alert, there, there's nowhere else. There's nowhere else. It'll be back up for the rest of his career or slip back into your role that you had a year ago. I don't know. I don't know what they'll do. But anybody with a set of eyes saw what I saw and what all of you saw last night. Jameis Winston is a polished quarterback. He's an extremely talented quarterback, and he can make throws that Taysom Hill cannot. And he can do things for this offense that for the last few years, Drew Brees could not do. Now, I'm not saying Jameis is better, you know. So I said something like that on the radio a few weeks ago, and I had two people text in and say, wow, you're saying that J uh, Jameis is better than Breeze. You really are an idiot. It's like, I'm, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there is a tool in his box that Drew Brees has not had for a couple years now, at least. And it's the deep ball that you saw last night. 50 yards on a freaking rope, got there in a hurry, into traffic, perfectly placed ball. And Marquez Callaway is an absolute star. More on him in a second. But what Jameis can do for that offense 
if he keeps reducing turnovers. He didn't have a mistake throw last night. He was one point away from having a perfect passer rating. Yes, caveat, preseason, second caveat, Jacksonville is terrible. Still an NFL team. Miles Jack is a stud, too, by the way. But still an NFL team. He didn't have a mistake throw. His pocket presence is good. And the, the deep ball is just that, not the deep ball, that deep ball has been missing in that offense for years. They haven't had a ball in that offense travel that far in the air since like 2016. Yeah. Can you believe that? Uh, it's time. It's time to end the charade. Uh, what what you do in the third preseason game is you play Trevor Simeon and Ian Book the entire time. Rest your starters and get ready for the season with Jameis Winston as your quarterback and hopefully Taysom Hill slipping back into his role because he's a hell of a football player that can really help you win, although he's lost some weight. If he accepts that role, then he can really help you. If he doesn't, then he's making a big mistake. It's really that simple. But Occam's Razor, guys. The... Heisman Trophy winning, multi-year starter in the NFL, brought in as Drew Brees is retiring, was going to be the starting quarterback as opposed to the flex tight end who played quarterback in college and didn't do it very well. Sometimes the answer is obvious, and uh, this one certainly is. Marquez Callaway is unbelievable. I mean, he's, he's going to be a star. He does everything well. And I kept thinking last night, in his stat line, so he had – Five receptions in the game, 104 yards, two touchdowns, two just unbelievable catches. The first one in traffic, getting interfered with. I don't know how he caught the first one. The second one, like a Willie Mays over-the-shoulder, one-handed grab in the, the front corner of the end zone. He's going to be a star. He does everything well. He's going to be a freaking star. But I kept thinking last night about Tennessee fans. I mean, we're getting to the point with Tennessee where – it's like, if I were a Tennessee fan, I don't know if I would want my former players to perform well in the NFL because it's so embarrassing. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. Every time Marquez Callaway does something like he did last night, it's like, well, Tennessee didn't use him. He had 30 catches his senior year at Tennessee. He'll have 30 catches in the NFL before week seven. Before week seven in the NFL at Tennessee, he couldn't get more than 30. Like, it's got to be embarrassing every time. It's the only fan base in America, I swear, that probably feels embarrassment when their former players do something good because their former players weren't used in college and yet can go to the NFL and shine. Ugh, that's embarrassing. What a weird feeling for Tennessee fans. But he's going to be a star. I mean, what a find. Uh, what, a, what an absolute find. Uh, from that, uh, the scout department and Mickey Loomis, the kid's going to be a star. And again, only caught 30 passes his last year at Tennessee. That's uh, that's embarrassing. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is fine. You know, he looks like a rookie behind a terrible offensive line because Trevor Lawrence is a rookie behind a pretty terrible offensive line. The Saints defensive front is really good, going to be one of the better ones in the NFL, even with the subtractions and the first quarter or so before they took all the starters out, showed you exactly uh, why that is. I mean, the the Jags have some talent on the offensive line, young talent, but they have some. And Trevor Lawrence was running for his life. He, he didn't have any time when he could get throws off. He was getting hit right after the throw. Um, I feel bad for him. 
I just wish uh, that NFL media would bring the same energy that NBA media does. Um, anyway, that's a conversation for another day. But it, it's going to be a struggle for, for Jacksonville. Urban Meyer is going to lose more games this season in 2021 in Jacksonville than he did his entire Ohio State career. How's that? Seven years at Ohio State, nine losses. They're going to lose more than nine games this year in Jacksonville. Um, it doesn't look good at all there right now. I mean, I know it's the preseason, but offensively, it just looked vanilla and and not good. I mean, Trevor Lawrence needs to be unlocked. He showed you flashes of his supreme talent last night because he's supremely talented, but he's not protected well, doesn't have great weapons either. Um also needs to learn how to slide, especially in preseason, but always. You're the franchise quarterback now, Trevor. Uh, you don't want to get smashed in the open field by three NFL defenders. Just slide next time. But uh, good night. Really good night. Jameis is QB1. That's done. Marquez Callaway is going to be a star. The Saints front seven looks really, really good. Trevor Lawrence looks like a rookie behind a terrible, terrible, terrible offensive line so uh, very little preseason to talk about next week in part because college football is beginning and next week is really game week and also because nobody's really going to be playing anybody uh, so that was it most important preseason game for the saints in 15 years it's crazy crazy to think about turning the page though to uh, uh now actually i'll get to this every catch callaway makes jp says i get more and more frustrated about CGM in that situation. Uh, CGM, by the way, can't guard Mike, Michael Thomas. Those two on the field together, plus Alvin Kamara, are going to cause problems. Man, you're not kidding. Uh, I mean, once Michael Thomas comes back, though, that offense, I mean, and, and now we'll get to see Michael Thomas. Again, with all due respect to Drew Brees, I am not being that guy. I'm not saying Jameis is better than Drew. God, no, I'm not doing that. But now we'll get to see Michael Thomas with the deep ball threat. I mean, he was that effective when he really could only run underneath routes because his quarterback couldn't get him the ball over the top very much, if ever. Now that's an element in the offense. Maybe, not maybe, that's something that we haven't seen much from Michael Thomas, but we will moving forward if he comes back healthy. But you're not kidding, man. Those three weapons. I mean, we went into training camp thinking that the Saints probably had the worst receiver core in the NFL. Callaway's emerging as a legit one, and he won't have to be when Thomas returns. Between he and Thomas and Kamara out of the backfield, man, and you had great – Juwan Johnson made a great decision also, by the way, uh, moving to tight end. That's a big-bodied guy that is a trained wide receiver from Oregon. He runs routes like a receiver, catches the ball like a receiver, but he's got a tight end body. Not really getting talked about by a lot of people, but he looks the part also. Um, He looks the part for sure. Um, That might be a guy that's really utilized in this offense and nobody's really talking about it yet. So, yeah, big night, man. Um, Marcus Davenport looks great. Um, He's got to turn some of those pressures into sacks, though, but he will with time. He looks great. Um, and, uh, oh gosh, uh, his name's escaping me. Um, oh my gosh, the other defensive end, 96. 
Granderson, Carl Granderson. Uh, this is a coming out party for Carl Granderson as well. Uh, he looks the part also. That defensive front is going to be just fine. But anyway. All right, turning the page a little bit to this uh, college football alliance thing. So news broke last night that they were making their formal announcement today that the college football alliance is going to be announced. The problem is with the college football alliance is that there's not going to be really much of any specificity. They haven't ironed out anything yet. At least that's what it sounds like. Uh, Per Adam Rittenberg, uh, the alliance is going to be announced today at 1 o'clock Central. There will be no widespread college football scheduling principles outlined, too many contracts in place, and uncertainty about potential expanded college football playoff model. Individual leagues could still make adjustments. Uh, The main thing to expect today is a public acknowledgement of common values between the leagues and alignment around many topics affecting athletes and schools. Not a ton of specifics just yet, although the commissioners will speak. So they're just announcing that they're working on stuff that they will announce later. That's all they're doing today. They're announcing an announcement to come later. After they iron out a bunch of stuff that will require lawyers and contracts and other stuff. So my question is, what exactly are they doing? And again, and spare me the shared values academically BS. Uh, Give me a break. This is about one thing and one thing only. It's money. That's all this is about. What they want. This is all they want. They are afraid that the SEC and ESPN are going to control who owns the TV rights for the expanded college football playoff. That is the only thing they're afraid of. That's the only thing they want to do. They recognize that their conferences are slipping into irrelevancy, so they're going to add this scheduling thing that may spice it up a little bit, although, again, it's not going to do anything, and I'll explain what I'm talking about in a second. But it's not about academic standards. It's about none of that garbage. It's money, it's television, it's how they can get more money, and it's fear that ESPN and the SEC are going to control rights deals for the college football playoff. That is the only thing that's happening here. That's the only thing they care about, and they have to find out other ways to make this thing make sense without saying the quiet part out loud. But most importantly, this announcement today is simply just announcing something for the sake of doing it because they have, like Adam Rittenberg said, and he's not the only one reporting stuff like this. They haven't ironed out anything yet, other than the fact that they want to work together. That's all they've done. This is making an announcement for the sake of making an announcement because they felt like they had to respond to the SEC, and this is their response. It's nothing. It is nothing. How can people so smart and accomplished think that this is going to be any kind of adequate counter to the SEC adding Texas and Oklahoma. It's mind-blowing. But most importantly, they are in a developing concept is what they call it. And they want to align themselves with similar academic institutions and also people that will vote and think the same. One of the ideas out there is an out-of-conference schedule where everybody in the alliance plays another team from the alliance every year. 
there's been talk about reducing conference games in the Pac-12 from 9 to 8 to open up the chance to play somebody from the Big Ten or the ACC. Um, here's the, the problem with that. While that's fine, I mean, that's good. At the end of the day, logistics are going to be kind of a nightmare if you have Miami playing Oregon State, doing a cross-country flight and all that. Kind of logistically a bit of a nightmare. And honestly, the overwhelming majority of games between those three leagues won't put a blip on the radar. Are you telling me or trying to tell me that Arizona State and Rutgers will move the needle more than the current scheduling model between the three of them? No. It won't. And on top of that, what is currently stopping you from scheduling teams from other conferences? What is currently stopping you from dropping your conference schedule down to eight teams and adding an extra sexy, air quotes, matchup to your schedule? What's stopping you from doing that currently anyway? But the problem is two things. First of all, contracts. A lot of these games are scheduled out until, hell, 2030. Let me see. uh, I'll pull up. Just Old Miss for the sake of conversation, their future schedules and see how far out Old Miss is scheduled. Uh, Old Miss has out of conference games with Power Five opponents scheduled all the way until 2037. Yeah, and uh, the thing is, these are teams from this alliance. Old Miss has Virginia Tech on the schedule. They have Purdue on the schedule. They have Oregon State on the schedule. They also have Southern Cal on the schedule, Wake Forest upcoming on the schedule, Georgia Tech upcoming on the schedule. You have to buy out of those contracts. Ole Miss and everybody else in the SEC sure as hell is not going to say, hey, yeah, you guys can have out of our games. Sure, go play Rutgers instead of us. No way in hell. So are you going to buy every SEC and Big 12 team out of their Future schedule contracts? There's no way. And on top of that, if you're Oregon State, who would you rather play? A team from the SEC or Maryland? Well, that's that's an easy answer. If you're Wake Forest, who would you rather play? A team from the SEC or Oregon State? Minnesota? Illinois? Well, that's an, an obvious answer. So they've got games scheduled out. Through the next 17 years, are you going to buy out of all of those contracts despite the SEC? Hell no, you're not. And on top of that, how much more money are you going to be making when the majority of your matchups don't even cause a blip on the radar? Northwestern and Syracuse. Boston College and Arizona. UCLA. Nothing. The UCLA-LSU matchup is only attractive because of LSU. That's it. There are some exceptions. Ohio State and Oregon play each other this year, and that's a hell of a game. I can't wait to watch it. It's going to be awesome. Great atmospheres, too. But those games are already scheduled, already on the schedule. So you're, you're not making really much more money to begin with. You are... Scheduling games that are already on your schedule or you've already had the freedom to schedule, most of them aren't going to be attractive anyway. And you've got contracts into the 2030s with teams from the big, bad SEC. So what exactly are you doing right now? 
Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Uh, nothing at all. I, this is the biggest nothing burger. You've got people, uh, of course, in college football media that are going to cover this heavily. Because they should. Of course they should. But we're four days away from the start of the college football season, and this is nothing. Um, and if I'm Greg Sankey, I, I read this, and I'll watch the press conference today, and I'll just shrug. Whatever. Okay. It's fine, guys. Um, you can all vote the same. Uh, every team in the Big 12 is now going to vote against you because you left them out of your cute little alliance. And the AAC and the group of five is now going to be pro-SEC because the commissioner of the SEC wrote the playoff expansion and wants it to happen right away. And if this alliance delays that at all, all the lesser conferences, not as powerful, are going to be on the SEC's side. If I'm the commissioner of the AAC, I'm calling Greg Sankey today. Hey, Greg, what do you need? I'm with you, man. I'm I'm with you. So whatever you need to, to push playoff expansion through, I'm in. If I'm the commissioner of the Conference USA, same phone call. Hey, Greg, whatever you need from me, whatever I can do, I'm in. I want the playoff to expand. I want my teams to have a shot. They currently don't. If these three conferences are going to try to delay that, I'm with you. What do you want? What do you need? By the way, the Conference USA has a partnership with ESPN, as does the AAC. Hmm. It's almost as if those three conferences, now minus the Big 12, aren't near as powerful as they think they are. Just saying. This is a big nothing burger. And... um you know, kudos to them for for trying to do their TV partner a big favor. I appreciate that. But um, hiding it behind the veil of, and my internet's going going bad again. Sorry about that. Um, ton of people in here too. And you're seeing a grainy feed of me that's probably not even working. You love to see it. Subscribe to YouTube. It's not always like this. Michael Borky on YouTube. Um What this is, is them trying to negotiate or trying to get their television partner, Fox and others, at the table for playoff rights. That's it. It has There's nothing else here. Contracts for non-conference games extend out a long way. They're not buying them out. The alliance playing cross-division games against each other is not really going to increase revenue much of anything. In fact, I think where we're going might have long-term damage to college football as a whole. The fewer non-conference games with group of five or FCS uh, teams, the worse off we're going to be in the long run in college football as a whole. Because group of five programs, most of them anyway, need the, the buy games to stay afloat. The FCS programs definitely need the buy games to stay afloat. I want those games to continue. JP asks, are they making assumptions, perhaps, that the SEC goes to an all-conference slate plus one at some point? We don't want that for college football's sake. Just got to wonder what their exact MO is. I think it's I think it's just simply money. I think they want their television partners to negotiate to be at the table for college football playoff rights. I think they are afraid of the SEC and ESPN owning everything. I think that's what they're afraid of. Um Because I don't believe, I could be wrong about this, I don't believe that the SEC wants to go to a conference-only schedule. I don't think they want that. 
Um, I, I don't think they want a conference only plus one. I think they'll find a sweet spot at nine. Nine will allow you to have other Power Five games, which those will continue, by the way, because the other conferences are going to want to play against teams from the SEC. It will allow you uh, to keep, and maybe Greg Sankey doesn't think like this. I don't know. But if I were him, I would also really want to throw a bone to the programs like Furman, Chattanooga, uh, Charleston Southern, East Tennessee State, uh, the HBCUs, Jackson State, Alcorn Valley, Alabama A&M, Pine Bluff, those kind of programs that get to play these non-conference games and get a million-dollar check when they leave or whatever it is. Um, it, it would allow you to keep the money in-state and do college football a solid by continuing to play those games, and you preserve your in-state rivalries. I think nine is the sweet spot. And, hell, some of your teams need a break anyway. Uh, nine is the sweet spot, at least for now. But I think it's really just fear that the SEC and ESPN will own everything. I don't think it's anything more than that. Uh, and they already kind of do. But anyway. It's just a nothing. It's just nothing. Um, and again, if I'm the commissioner of the AAC, if I'm the commissioner of the Conference USA, uh, I am all in on Hey, Greg, I know that we can't form an alliance because, you know, we're not you, but you want somebody to vote alongside you? You got mine. Just wanted you to know that. And, hey, if you, you guys want to schedule some of our guys, then we, we'd be happy to we'd be happy to do that. No problem at all. If I'm the AAC, I'm in touch with Baylor and TCU and these programs and trying to get them to hop on board. And even if they don't, I'm trying to figure out how to get playoff expanded as fast as possible. This is uh, this is crazy, honestly. And it's just a bunch of people that are panicking and are, are doing something for the sake of doing something. There's no real teeth behind it, at least not for now. They've got to really do something different to make this anything more than just an offshoot uh, of nothing. Because right now, this doesn't sound like it's anything. And the group of five want playoff expansion right now. They want it today. So if you're going to delay that, you've got more than just the SEC to vote against. Speaking of the SEC, last thing for you today, and, and I'll be quick on this. It was reported yesterday that the SEC is considering, just considering, haven't put this into motion yet, that uh, a team that has to forfeit a game could possibly sacrifice a portion of the incoming television revenue. And that has to do with inventory of number of games. I think there's a built-in possibility where games can get canceled, like, say, for a hurricane. If a hurricane was coming through Florida and the Gators couldn't play and the game had to get canceled, that won't impact the television contract. There's some wiggle room there, but if they get below the uh, the amount, then there would be losses. Well, not losses, but less money being distributed to each school. And there's the thought that a team that has to forfeit could sacrifice that revenue. Uh, my question is, and, and I haven't seen this written out specifically, and, and logic tells you that this is probably going to be the case, but what happens if a team that is you know, fully vaccinated, that did the right thing, still has an outbreak within their program that causes them to have to forfeit the game. 
because that's possible. You can do everything right and still get the virus, as we've learned. It's entirely possible. Um, one of the other guys on the radio show yesterday, I said that statement, and he corrected me by also saying that statement. Uh, Richard Cross, sometimes. Um you can do everything right and still get it, as we've learned. Look at what Hawaii does protocol-wise and look at their numbers. Uh, they have mask mandates. They have distancing mandates. They have no large gathering mandates, and yet their cases are still going up. You can do everything you think is right and still get it. So will this only apply? My question is, will this only apply to the schools that are below the threshold? If that's the case, then so be it. But if it's just a blanket, if you can't play, you forfeit, you lose money, it's a bad policy. Because, again, you can do everything right and still get it. Um, I don't like the forfeiture policy for teams that are fully vaccinated. I, I mean, again, we're seeing case numbers go up all over the country. We're seeing breakthrough cases, which, you know, they're going to happen. They were always going to happen. The messaging was terrible. They were always going to happen. It's just the severity that is greatly reduced. Anyway, don't want to go down that rabbit hole today. Um, what happens if Alabama, Ole Miss, LSU, Florida, Georgia, these programs that are above the threshold, near 100%, have an outbreak and they can't play? They have an outbreak of breakthrough cases. Can't play. Whole offensive line room was wiped out. You're going to make them forfeit? They did everything right. You're going to give them a loss because of something that you literally cannot prevent, as we've learned? I think that's wrong. I don't like that. The forfeiture policy should only apply to me, to teams that are below the threshold. Because otherwise, what was the point? What was the point? So, something to keep an eye on. Uh, the Big Ten released their situation yesterday, and... The unvaccinated will be tested just once a week in the Big Ten, sounds like. So uh, the SEC's policy will likely be not at all unless symptomatic, which is good. Uh, we're going to play football this year for sure. JP's asking, so are we moving towards an expanded playoff still, or are we walking in place? Um, it sounds like the Alliance is going to do whatever they can to delay it until they get their television partner involved. But I don't think that the three of them alone will have enough stopping power to push it through. I think it's going to get pushed through on time because everybody else now is going to be on the SEC side. The Big 12, whatever it is or wherever they go, will be on the SEC side. The SEC obviously will be on their own side. The AAC will want it done right away. The Conference USA will want it done right away. The Sun Belt will want it done right away. And suddenly, four greater than – or five greater than three. So I, I think – they're going to try to hold it up and delay it, but then they'll realize how unpopular that is and how bad that is for college football and how bad that is for themselves at the end of the day, and it'll get done. I think it'll get done. Uh, this just doesn't have any teeth to me. I, I need to see more from the alliance to tell me that they're going to have some you know, supreme power over the sport. I just I don't buy it right now. Nothing has been presented or reported that tells me that they're taking back control at all. And playoff expansion is better for the sport. It's great for the sport. We need it. Programs like Southern Miss need something to play for because right now they don't have anything to play for. They, you know, conference championship, great, bowl game, sure. But if 
winning a national championship or winning the championship is not something that you can do. It takes a little luster off of the program as a whole, you know? Expanded playoff means that they have something to play for that's beyond just winning the Conference USA, and that applies to everybody in all these group of five leagues. It's what's best for the sport. So it'll get done. They'll realize that. They'll they'll stop kicking and screaming eventually, and they'll get to a point where they realize that they're damaging themselves in the sport and they don't really have any teeth anyway, and this will get done. Because uh, this is just nothing right now. So, anyway. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Ran a little long this morning, but that's okay. It is game week, after all. And uh, Jameis Winston, your new starting quarterback in New Orleans. Boy, he looked sharp last night. Gosh, if he can just play like that, under control all season long. Happy wild card team. People are counting the Saints out. They shouldn't. Anyway, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thank you so much for being a part this morning. And uh, I'll see you guys on the radio this afternoon or tomorrow morning. Y'all have a good one. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.